Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. Sometimes it's just me, and other weeks I'm in conversation with another rabbi or a Jewish thought leader. All right, welcome everyone. I am recording this on Tuesday, November 8th. It is election day in the U.S., so first, before I start, let me say, for those of you who are listening to this on Tuesday, and those of you who are in the United States, please go vote. It does matter. It makes a difference, even Jewishly, as we'll see in a few moments. I'm a dual citizen, so I get to vote in two countries, double the fun and double the responsibility. So that's my public service announcement for the day, and now let's get to the Parsha. We're reading Vayera. Vayera is Genesis chapters 18 through 22. We're now solidly in the stories of Abraham and Sarah. Vayera means to appear, and it comes from the opening words of the Parsha, as usual, which say, Vayera elav Adonai, the Eternal One appeared to him, Abraham. So the reason for the appearance in this first chapter is that God shows up to announce that Sarah will conceive and bear a child, within the next year, and that, of course, will be Isaac. Following that, though, the Parsha goes on to tell the very challenging story of the destruction of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's what I want to focus on today. So, in brief, here's what happens. You have these two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, that sit in the area that today we would know as the Dead Sea. This is the plains area, south of the hills of Judah. And if you remember in last week's portion, Abraham and his nephew Lot divided up the area. Abraham took the hills, and Lot took the plains. So Lot is living in this area. God comes to Abraham and says, Za'akat Sedom v'amorah ki ravah v'chatatam ki kavdam od." The outrage of Sodom and Gomorrah is so great. Their sin is so grave that I'm going to go down and see what's going on there. And I'm going to do what I have to do, essentially, God says. The implication is, I might have to destroy these two cities. And from there, Abraham goes on to argue and kind of even bargain with God. God, what if there are 50 people that are righteous found in the city? Then will you spare the city? And God agrees. And Abraham argues God down. What if there are only 45 righteous people? What if there are 40, 30, 20, 10? What if there are only a few righteous people in the city? Then will you spare the city? And God agrees, okay, I will, if that's the case. In the end, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. And that's the action of chapter 19 in this Parsha, this incredible violent destruction, and Lot and his family are saved from the city. They're spirited away to another town as their home is utterly destroyed by divine wrath. It's quite a story, really. One of the central themes of this Parsha is justice. God declares that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah have acted wrongly and need to be destroyed. Abraham says, well, God, maybe some of them haven't. And Abraham actually holds God to that same standard of justice. He says, 
Hashofet Kol Haaretz Lo Mishpat? Shouldn't the judge of all the land act justly? So in the end, there's a message here that people need to act justly, and God needs to act justly. And if God is an archetype for the best of human behavior, then it's an absolute requirement to have justice and righteousness in your actions and in your society. Now, one thing you may have noticed is that nowhere in any of that did it say what the people of Sodom and Gomorrah had done wrong. What is this outrage, this grave sin that they've committed that causes them to need to be destroyed? There's a common and erroneous understanding out there that the sin of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah was homosexuality. That comes from a scene later on in the Parsha where a mob of people of Sodom shows up at the home of Lot looking to rape some visitors, some divine visitors that have showed up at his house. And lots of readers throughout history have looked at that and said, oh, look, they're looking to have sex with men. Therefore, their sin must be homosexuality. In fact, the word sodomy even comes from that interpretation of this story. But as far as the rabbis are concerned, that's not the sin at all. I don't think it ever even occurs to them that that was the wrong that was done by the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Rather, they tell all kinds of stories about how the people of Sodom were dishonest and thieving and unjust to come back to our theme of the day. The commentator Ibn Ezra says that Zakat Sodom, the cry of Sodom, was the cry of blasphemy or the cry of those victimized by violence. So this was a particularly blasphemous and or violent society. There's a story elsewhere in the Midrash about how innkeepers would swindle people and harm them when they checked into their inns. But what I want to read to you is a passage from Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer which I think brings it back to the issue of justice in society. Now, Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer is a late Midrash. It's probably 8th or 9th century. And like all Midrash, it tells stories about stories in the Torah. And in chapter 25, the text digs into this question of what was the sin of Sodom? If I could read this whole thing to you, I would. It would take the next half hour. So I'll just read you one section. This is this is chapter 25, section 6. It says, Rabbi Joshua, son of Korchah, said that they, the people of Sodom, appointed over themselves shoftim shoftei sheker, judges who judged lyingly or who judged falsely, and that those judges then oppressed every wayfarer, every traveler, and every stranger who entered the city of Sodom with their perverse judgment. They robbed them, and they sent them forth naked. In other words, Sodom was so rotten that its rottenness reached all the way to the highest levels of government. Even the judges were corrupt. Even the judges were part of this overall culture of mistreating and robbing and acting violently toward anybody who came to town. And it's one thing when there are people in society who act that way, but it's quite another thing when your government enshrines that kind of behavior. The Eitz Chaim commentary, which is the conservative movement's commentary, puts it this way. It says, The sin of Sodom was not just that some people acted wickedly. People do that everywhere. But that wickedness became public policy. 
So as far as the rabbis are concerned, the reason that Sodom had to be destroyed, the reason that it wasn't salvageable, was that justice had been completely subverted. The entire concept of right and wrong, the entire concept of treating others kindly and respectfully and like the image of God, had been excised from all levels of society. And I think it's really telling that the way that this Midrash describes the judges, the leaders of this town, is as shoftei sheker, those who judge as liars, those who have no respect for truth. We're talking here about a society of fake news. We're talking here about a society where the leaders of the government have no regard for what is true and what is not true. They're perfectly willing to be shoftei sheker, to be judges who are liars, and to tell those lies to the people they lead, so as to justify their unjust actions, and so as to further subvert the whole concept of justice in the society. Which, of course, brings me back to Election Day. It is the responsibility of citizens to hold their leaders accountable to truth. Truth matters, says our tradition. A just society cannot be led by shofte sheker. It cannot be led by people who have no regard for what is really true and what is not true. And the way you treat people matters as well. If the sin of Sodom was disregarding the fundamental humanity of fellow human beings then we need to take a good long look at our society and the ways that it does so as well. So once again, if it's Tuesday and you're in the United States, go out and vote. And if it's not Tuesday or you're not in the United States, remember that this responsibility doesn't end at voting. Regardless of who's elected, regardless of who's in power, we have the responsibility to hold our leaders accountable to their responsibility to be truthful and just and to uphold the basic humanity of all people. That's the message of this week's parasha. Thank you for listening. Before I go, just a quick reminder that if you'd like to dig more deeply into the Torah portion, if you want to spend an hour a week on Zoom studying the parasha, then I'm running two weekly Zoom study groups. One on Tuesday, which is for people who consider themselves to be beginning Torah learners, and one on Friday, for people who've been through the Parsha a little bit and want to dig even deeper. If you're interested, you can go to my website, micastreifer.com, and you'll see a link for Torah study, or you can shoot me an email at rabbistreifer at gmail.com, and I'll put all of this in the episode notes as well. Thanks for listening to 7-Minute Torah. If you enjoy this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7minutetorah. To join one of our new weekly Torah study discussions on Zoom, go to micastreifer.com and click on Torah Study. Torah Study